Hello and welcome to the Into the Desert podcast, where we talk to inspiring people and hear their stories of motivation, courage, drive, productivity, and how their environment dictated their performance. Today's special guest has 20 years experience in the beauty industry, growing several businesses to great success. More recently, she has become a mentor to help burnt out women in the personal care industry break the mold and create freedom and financially earn their worth. SJ Hartshorn, how are you doing? Great to have you on. Hi, I'm great, Freddie. How are you? Really well, thank you. Yeah, really well. We just talked before we came on uh, online about this horrible cold going on, right? Everyone seems to be a bit, a bit bunged up. So uh, apologies for that. But yeah, uh, it's, it's great to have you on. And I'd love to have a bit of an overview to start with for everyone listening of, of what your what your business is. I know you've had several in the past, but you know what are you what are you currently working on? Yeah, I have. Um, I have. I've, I've always been in the beauty industry since since college. So been in the beauty industry for I always say twenty years, but I've been saying twenty years for a few years now. So I, I think I'm older than that. Um, so probably about twenty three years. Um, but like most beauty entrepreneurs, you know, you learn your craft, you do your treatment, you exchange time for money, open a salon because it looks nice, and you go down kind of that path. Um, but my latter years, which was kind of pre-lockdown, um, I started going into kind of diversifying my skills a little bit and trying to use my knowledge of what I've learned to serve people differently. So try and eliminate that time for money exchange, um, trying to get people on subscriptions, trying to be able to have time off and still get paid. Um, so that's when I kind of got into doing that for myself, but then I kind of fell into doing that for other people because people were saying, how are you managing to still earn money in lockdown? You've not been able to touch your face for nine months. How are you still being able to smash it in business and not do what you've always been taught to do? So I kind of, or not fell into the coaching, but it kind of led me down that route of then coaching. So that is what I do most of the time now. I, um, I coach beauty entrepreneurs that are wanting to be more than just time for money. You know, they're wanting to become a celebrity in the field, become the go-to, and to create a more scalable business. Um, and then I also manufactured my own makeup range as well because I didn't think that was enough going into another business. So I decided to go on producing a makeup brand, which I've always wanted to do as well. Um, but yeah, that's what that's what I do. I love the mentoring and the coaching um, and kind of break the mold a little bit of the industry. You know, we're quite talented individuals and what we do and what we earn, we, we could just work at Tesco for the same if we don't look at extra ways and scaling up our business. And that's what that's what I really, really am passionate about. It's really cool. Yeah, like you say, it's such a creative industry, isn't it? A lot of, you know, artists, really. Um, and going back to sort of the intro of this entire podcast, talking about how your environment dictates your performance. You know, you said there that during COVID, you pivoted like many good entrepreneurs into something that you can actually work from home doing, which like, like you were saying there, is actually incredible because yeah. it's inherently a, a hands-on industry, isn't it? But also, um, we've talked about before, where it's an industry where the environment that you come into, you know, if you go to a salon or, or a spa, wherever it is, it, it, where you sit or where you are having the treatments massively influences how you feel about the business and actually the owner and everyone working there. So, so it's a massive uh, link there. Yes, there is. And I think we... Obviously, that, that, that's our environment. You know, our environment is a nice clinic, a well-set-out clinic, create that relaxing atmosphere to be able to perform good treatments. But 
there's a big chunk of the business that people don't realize also needs to be done. You need to have, you need to have office space. You need to have a space to work on the business because you'll just get caught up in that rat race of being, you know, exchange your time for money, performing treatments, but then you need that office space. And that is, you know, lockdown forced me to have a space just for me, my computer locked up on the top floor of my house where I could just work on the business and become creative and wasn't, sucked into just dealing with clients all the time and, and and kind of trying to fill the diary and thinking of the short wins it was like right let me look at me my business my future and let's look at these long-term goals and where do i want my business to be so and you can't do that in a salon environment you have to come out of the salon environment and work yeah. on the business and that is what people don't do in our industry absolutely yeah and and i can see behind you for those just listening you've got a really nice background there which really shows really shows what you do but tell us a bit about how you like to set up your your workplace is there a way that you like to be set yeah, up there, well, this, like this has been quite this has been quite difficult for me because this last um i've moved house and businesses a lot in these last nine months um I think I could probably call myself a gypsy now, the amount of times I've already moved. Um, just a few, you know, personal issues what has meant me having to move a lot. And what I found it has actually affected my business, I've not been as effective. So because I've had to kind of uproot, change location, kind of get it set up how I want it, 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 it slowed down what I'm needing to do in business. So I always make sure like, right now I'm actually in my living room. I don't use my living room. I it's over there but that door's always shut and i'm tucked away in the back with my backdrop i've got my long list of jobs to do on my um on my board behind me nice. and i stay in this little place this is my office space and then through them doors i have my treatment space mm -hmm. so i never try and do my work in my treatment space because that is me performing treatments here is office set up with all my bits um yeah. but yeah uprooting a few times has kind of just your environment really does dictate it and it's kind of slowed down me hitting my goals as quick because i've had to quickly find a space to work from and there was um my last house i didn't have that i had to work in my kitchen mm -hmm. and when you're working in your kitchen when you can see the washing piling up you can see the pots that need to be done you, you can't switch off so you know your environment massively dictates it it really does that's a really good point we had uh, a little while ago we had um, simon tomkins on who's a life coach and at one point he had his desk set up in his bedroom when I think he had a, a lodger and someone staying with him. And he said a very similar thing where you have to have that space to really switch up and change your mindset. Um, yes. So that's really, really interesting. I want to touch on, um, you know, your industry, really. Um, it's inherently a saturated industry, right? There's a lot of people that's in the space. But I'd love to talk to you about how you've helped your, your clients, your mentoring clients, overcome the challenges of the industry specifically like how busy it is how do you how do you get ahead above the water yeah i think what it is i think what what happens it's um the, there always seems to be a race to the bottom in our industry so because it's so saturated so you know like eyelash extensions for instance i could go to probably 20 people within walking distance to have my eyelashes done and what tends to happen is because everyone knows it's so saturated they start racing to the bottom so they start taking prices down doing offers doing really desperate posts okay so social media is full of desperation and what i what i coach and mentor people is to niche it right down you know what is what is your special source you know you're not just a beauty therapist that does everything do you 
what gets you excited so if it's like acne skin if you love to treat people with acne skin focus on that because there's, there's there's loads of people there's too many people we've got so many clients out there but if you start being far too generic and say i can treat everyone with every single skin type come to me for a appeal or whatever it may be your posts and your content is just going to get lost whereas if you write a post specifically about acne the pain points the frustrations what that person with acne wakes up and feels like every single morning then when they read that post you are talking to that person so then you can become a celebrity and a go-to in that field so yes it is saturated but it's only saturated if you have a race to the bottom and you try and because you think my diary is not full. I need everybody. I can do everything. Sure. <laughs> and it's in a full flat. So, you know, I challenge all my um, all my therapists that I coach to find your special source. What gets you excited every day? What do you love to see in the diary? And then discover the pain points and sell that, you know, offer solutions for that. Don't try and do everybody. Don't try and accommodate everybody. It's so true, isn't it? I know we're both um, big fans of both Daniel Priestley and Jason Gravestone. Yes. And they talk about the key person of influence, don't they? Dan, Dan's methodology. And that's exactly, you know, almost what you're saying there. Become a celebrity. And that's, it's really important. And I like the idea of niching down to a specific, almost, I wouldn't say, is it an ailment? It's not really an ailment, right? Yeah, something like acne, but yeah, yeah. something that people have that is, is a real pain point. And I guess also they're touching on celebrity from a different angle. You know, yours is potentially an industry where social media and seeing celebrities is really important because they want to become like that celebrity. They want the certain skin yep. and different um, treatments based on what celebrities are having. Do you see that as a, as a big factor in becoming a celebrity of the industry and it also, you know, tacking on to celebrities in the actual media? Yeah, you know what, it's something, I think it can be quite difficult though, because I do think social media is a lot of smoke and mirrors as well. Yeah. So obviously, you know, people see you know, these celebrities, these people, these people in the press and they want to look and be like that. Um, and I'm a very real person, very realistic. Um, a lot of the time I will go live in my blooming pyjamas talking to my private Facebook group and no makeup. I try and make it really, really authentic and just be myself and not get into that smoke and mirrors of social media. Um, but, you know, using using you know the celebrities as kind of like inspiration on what niche you want to get to get into i think is amazing you know i think what i always say to people is you know write down if you well if, if you're in a, if you're with a group of people what do you always try and turn the conversation about so if i was with a group of beauty therapists what is the one thing you try and turn that conversation to would it be about eyebrows would it be about acne skin what do your friends if your friends could say two, three things about you, what would they say about you? And these are the things that is your specialism. This is your special source. So use that and then scale up on that. And you can still offer all the other treatments, but becoming the go-to in that is is absolutely golden. Yeah, that's really, really important, isn't it? So mm. if, if someone can find their special source, what's the sort of, what's the next thing that you, you try and help them help them teach? Is, is it to systemize? Is it to continue to market? Yeah, well, what what I firstly do with all with all my clients, I they need their business completely streamlined. Okay, they need to make sure that from the point of contact from a client, everything is streamlined because there's so much time that goes into securing an appointment with a client. So I I don't do much beauty anymore, but for, for me, for example, if a client inquires about eyebrows, they get a video that I've already recorded sent to them 
telling them all about eyebrow procedures, what it, what it in entails. Straight after that, there's a link. That link opens up my diary. That takes a £50 deposit. That then gets them into a newsletter journey where they will receive their confirmation, their aftercare, their healing process, and even 12 months later when you're next due for a top-up. So from that one inquiry, I don't... I, obviously, I'm there to talk with the need to and then perform the treatment, but I don't have to do anything else. If you're having to message people back and forth, it takes so much time, and you could be using that time to work on the business. So once I've got people to streamline the business, I then... I, I then... Get them to brainstorm and kind of think, right, okay, so I'm a skincare specialist. So what can I do to create extra streams of revenue from what I do? So the first thing I say is get people on subscription. I have people paying me monthly. They only have their eyebrows done once once a year, but I've got probably about 50 people that pay me £16.66 a month. No, it doesn't sound much, but every, on the first of every month I get paid regardless. Yeah. So I get people to get people on subscriptions and then... I always think we've got education for somebody a year behind us. So wherever we are in the industry, there's always somebody a year or two years behind us that are needing our knowledge. So how can you develop, you know, a paid platform, a um, online subscription, um, something where you can preload content, knowledge, value to then sell to people coming new into the industry. So you've got something going more as a passive income. So there's so many ways because you can you can target um educating new newcomers into the industry you can also then target people that are already experienced that are wanting to learn more about a specific skin complaint so once you start releasing you know unloading your mind online on videos on education platforms creating modules all sorts the list is endless on what you can do you know there's so many people that buy you know, buy courses, they'll download a course and buy a course on, you know, educating themselves about acne skin. Why can't you be the person that created that? Because yeah. they've already done it before. I've bought so many online courses to expand my knowledge in eyebrows. You can be that person. Yeah. So that's kind of where, where we go. And then we just keep going. We just keep going to wherever their niche takes them, really. That's awesome. This is what I really want to touch on, your, your, you know, the course side of things, because, you know, you're inherently... I think known as a disruptor in the in the uh, in your industry, right? You're there mm -hmm. as a uh, sort of a celebrity figure, but also someone that's got. But it's sort of speaking out about the things that are happening. You're talking about the things that um, people think they know, but actually you're giving more light onto them. And one of them, I think, is the course teaching people. I mean, I, I'm not that close to the industry, but you know, I can't imagine that many people have a course as succinct as yours and a community as uh, involved as yours. Mm. That, that they're paying to learn from you, right? And that, that's, yeah. you know, I guess inherently that's where imposter syndrome could come from. But oh, actually, yeah. It's yeah. really cool that you've got that whole community behind you. So can we, can we hear a little bit about your course, you know, your... Uh, your online course? Yeah, well, I, I do. Um, I, I've got obviously lots of different touch points where people can get so much. I give a lot of free value. So I've got mm. my podcast, YouTube channel, free newsletters. I give so much free value out there. And I think that is fundamental, you know, with anything that you're trying to do. And same with the clients that I'm coaching, you need to give free value and knowledge first. You need to get your status, you know, known. Um, and then I've got different kind of levels for people. So I've got everything that's taking you through the process of how to kind of streamline the business, get seen, Google, marketing, all of that, 
all on a platform where you can subscribe and pay monthly. And that's as little as £25 a month. So people that are new into the industry, people that are ready to scale up, they can go through and work through these modules. Um, I do go live once a month in there and have guest speakers and things, but that is pre-created content. So that mm -hmm. is a more passive income for me. Um, and then people that are wanting to kind of hit it harder and they're like, you know what, I... Yeah, love these modules, but I want that more one-to-one -one bespoke personal guidance. Um, I then do coach them on a one-to-one. -one, so I put people on like a 12-week coaching platform, coaching program where I hook up with them every month, um, every two weeks, and we go through, basically go through everything and make it really bespoke to them and obviously their goals and where they're wanting to go. I think it's, it's really, really interesting. And you touched there on effectively the 7-4-11 rule, right? You've got to have... Um, you, you've got to be seen in four different platforms uh, yep. for seven hours and 11. No, I forget what it is right now, but it's the different places. You say you between seven, that I, I read the other day, it's between seven and 21 touch points. That's, That's ridiculous. Right. Like, mm. I get so many people and they're like, oh, my social media's not working. I put out a post in a newsletter and went live. I'm like, yeah, it's not enough. That's no. not enough. There's consistency as well, isn't it? It's, got, it's being there in front of people all the time. And then when they click onto your actual profile for they found you, it's having enough information there to... To, to show yeah. that you're, you're an expert in the industry or in your, in your avenue. I think it's really, really cool. I want to ask you how you got into beauty in the first place. What was the, what was the, what was the thinking there? <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> my me. Right. So basically I was, I was not academic at all, hated school, very rarely turned up, um, always in detention, didn't like it at all. And when I was 16, uh, my option, I wanted to be a firefighter. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a firefighter, but couldn't apply until I was, I think it was 19 or 18 or something. So my two options was wait to be a firefighter or go on Big Brother to earn 500,000. That was it. I didn't have any options. Um, I ended up getting like a really crappy job in a jacket potato stall. I just wanted money. I was very greedy for money. Um, and it was my dad that actually dragged me out by my neck and says, you're going to college to do something. So I turned up to college that day and says, right, what course have you got available? And they went, oh, you can do beauty. And I was like, that sounds easy. I'll do that. Oh. And that is it. That is it. So that is how I got into beauty. There's a cool, it's a cool story. I think it's always fun to hear how someone got into it. And that's the, that's the way you get, so you get, I think more people get in that way than, than let on actually. Yeah. I think, I think that many people find a passion really young and then yeah. grow it into a massive business. I think it comes down the way. Obviously now you're passionate about it. So actually, you know, your, your dad's pushed you into the right thing, I guess. He has. And the thing is, because I was always the type of person that didn't take, um, instructions very well, I wasn't the best employee um as soon as i could i opened up because i was greedy for money and fame and salon and everything else i've never worked for anybody in the beauty industry there. as soon as i could i got a loan and got my first business so i had my first business at 19 uh, because i just wanted I, I wanted something bigger and better um so yeah you know it was it was it was bizarre because you know i remember when i was in my 20s when i was talking to friends from school they're like oh what are you doing now i'm like oh, i'm doing beauty and they're like you're doing beauty because i was the one that was going to go in the army or in the fire service oh. it wasn't it wasn't for me at all um but then this is the thing you 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 like you said you don't know what you want to do at that age nobody does and even when i was doing it i didn't know what i wanted to do you know um and you've just got to kind of 
follow 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 the feelings as you go and kind of make it into what you want it to be and yeah. learn from the lessons learn from the mistakes and keep going but like i said earlier you know maybe it wasn't something that you always had passion for at the start but you do now and you know you were always going to disrupt it i think maybe you'd agree you were always going to disrupt the industry you went into it and try and make it different and have a different approach which which is exactly yeah. what you've done um i want to ask you about delegation so obviously you had your first business at 19 you know, yeah. you might have had a lot of employees now, work with a lot of people. How, what are your tips of delegation? How do you manage to get, you know, scale the businesses from other people's yeah. Well, go, going, just, just briefly going back to my first, my first business, actually, I look at that, it was, it was a failure, okay? And I'm very happy to openly say that. And the reason being is because I was too stubborn and I was doing everything myself, okay? So I had my first business and I remember social media came out and I had a member of staff that said to me, oh, we should get Facebook. And I'm like, no, we don't need it. We don't need it. We have passing trade. And I was so reluctant to evolve, so reluctant to pivot, to change, to look at what was happening around me. And also delegating. I did everything myself. I wouldn't let nobody do anything. I had full control. And it got to the stage where I burnt out. I absolutely burnt out, resented the industry, resented everything that I was doing. And I, just, I, I like, I'm done. And I, I did, I did that. I was, I'm done. I'm going. Um, and pulled it right back just to me, just to me, performing treatments. But I think what happened there is obviously, and then, then I've had like 10 years having children, raising family and everything else. So obviously there's a big gap in between. Um, but what happened there is when we did hit this lockdown, I evolved quickly because in the back of my mind, I didn't want to be that person that blamed, because I blamed the recession why my business failed. That's what I blamed. And I thought to myself, no, if you're an entrepreneur, you actually need to learn how to delegate, learn when to delegate, learn when to pivot, when to adapt, when to scale up and look at, look, come out of the business and, and, and work for me, you know, work outside in. And that's what lockdown did for me. It made me change quickly. Um, but I always look at delegation as I do, I'm not inspired to do everything. You know, there's certain things like social media, creating, I can create the content, but I haven't, I haven't got the time to do it all and I can earn more money doing something else. So why don't I, you know, work with somebody and outsource that? So if a business doesn't learn how and when to delegate, you'll never be able to scale up because you can't physically do everything. And it doesn't mean employing. I don't have no staff, but I have, I have a video editor. I have a social media expert. I have a marketing guy. I have a coach. So I have a team around me. None of them employed by me, but I use them to delegate the tasks that I either can earn more money doing something else or don't inspire me. Because if you're not inspired to do something, it's going to take you 10 times as long. You're never going to get it done. It's going to keep moving to the bottom of that to-do list and it ain't going to get done. So you need to learn the art of delegation. You need to let go. There needs to be part of the business where you're prepared to let go and let somebody assist you with that. Definitely. For sure. And I always think delegation, one of the things you got to remember is that if it goes wrong, it was your fault, right? Yeah. It's always the communication to the person. And if you're using freelancers or however you're doing it, there's no point in saying that was wrong. It, it was definitely, it was always the person who gave the instruction. But mm. um, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's really cool that, you know, you actually, you talked here about basically a self-development journey, haven't you? You've, you've yeah. looked back the whole way. You understand that it was you learning, getting things wrong, getting things right, growing. And then COVID was that catalyst to take all that knowledge you have from the industry and completely turn it around and yeah. move it online. 
At which point did you look at um, the Tears of Freedom programme from Jason Greystone? Yeah, I, did, I came across Jason, it was probably about a year before lockdown. Um, I do like a good podcast, so I think I've stumbled... No, it was a guest speaker. It was a guest speaker. Uh, um, I was working with a an aesthetic coach at that time, and he was a guest speaker. And I just, I just loved his um, the way he explained things. Um, and I thought I need to, you know, get into the uh, listen to his podcast. So I kind of binged his podcast for a bit. Um, and then I thought this this was something at this point we was then we was we was in in lockdown and I thought you know what I need this guidance I need this accountability I need to be able to keep myself on track because I do I do kind of go off track quite a little bit my mind I'm sure I've got ADHD because I do go off on one sometimes and can't stay focused so for me when I read about the tears of freedom and obviously spoke to the people that was on it I thought this is going to really keep me on track it's going to keep me going in the direction I need it to uh, need it to do. So that's when I then signed up to do that, which was oh, like cool. Exactly. So almost exactly the right time as well before before COVID you had that, that, that Perfect. Sort of drive to change it all. Yeah, amazing. I always want to touch a little bit on courage with people on the podcast because I think everyone that's been on so far has shown whether they admit it or not, a lot of courage. You know, to mm. have a business is to have courage and to solve problems is is determination. Um, you know, during especially post-COVID or during COVID, how do you, where do you think your courage has come from to, to make these steps uh, and, and change the business, pivot the business? You know, I, I don't really know because I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I'm particularly a courageous person, but then when I look at what I've done, then obviously it is. Um, mm. But I think I'm the type of person that uh, I'm, 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 I'm selfish in what I want. Okay. And I think, I think it takes a, a you, you've got to, you've got to be selfish and know exactly what you want and not scared to disrupt people along the way. You're not scared to lose friends, not get supported. You, you know, you've got to have that courage to be selfish, to keep moving forward. Um, mm. But you know what? I, I just, I, I just think, I think if you, I think your dreams need to scare the hell out of you, you know, and I look at what I want to do and where I'm going to be and it scares the life out of me. And that excites me. And that makes me want to do it more. And I'm very much a type of person that I I don't care what people think of me. I don't. If you like me, you like me. If you don't, you know, I, I probably get more hits on social media of people that I'm kind of disrupting the views a little bit. And I like that. It, it really does not bother me. And you've got to be selfish. You've got to be true to yourself. And think of you. And, like, I, I look at my girls. Well, I've got two girls one of them's at an age now, bless her, and she she's not academic. She's not a natural. She she hates the spelling. She hates the maths, and all she's inspiring to be like is me. She wants to be an entrepreneur, and she's already talking about designing her own clothing range at nine. And she's just, I I, I want to be an amazing role model for them that you can do anything you want, you know, despite being a single mom, moving house, God knows how many times, not being able to work for ten months. You know, I, I just want them to see that as as challenges along the way. And that's kind of like framing the person you're going to be. So, yeah. I mean, it's perfect, isn't it? You're basically able to show a completely different path, mm. the norm that, that everyone gets pushed down. I was actually talking to um, a business owner earlier today who was talking about social media and exactly like you said, really, the smoke and mirrors. But the stuff that cuts through that is the stuff that you're talking about, which is the authentic stuff, the authenticity 
of people really cuts through the noise of social media. And I think that's so prevalent you know, with you because you're, you're actually really honest. And maybe you think you're, you're too honest, but I think it's right on the, on the money because you're telling people true reasons which will resonate with more people than, than yeah. they'll let on, you know? People go into business because they want more time, they want more freedom, but actually also they, they want more money. Yeah. And that's something that they feel to talk about, right? It's one of those things. Yeah, exactly. You should be scared of talking about money. And I, I do this when I coach people. I'm like, what do you want? They're like, oh, I'd like to maybe earn four, five thousand a month. I'm like, no, no, fuck that. What do you want? What do you want? And, you know, just be, be real. Um, but I actually was invited to talk at a um, beauty and aesthetic business networking event last week. And this is my, it was quite funny because I created this whole kind of like, um, slideshow just to keep me on track and it all went tits up it all went tits up it all didn't work and then i just winged it and you know what every single person there was quite a few f-bombs thrown in there and i was just so passionate about what i was talking about every single person after was like my goodness the authenticity and that the, the truth behind and they've, they've, they've all signed up to have a session with me this week because we were just like we needed somebody just to tell us straight how it is how it's going to be you know, and just be real with us. And they says you don't, you don't see that in the beauty industry because the beauty industry, is, it, it can be a little bit fake. You know, it can be really, I'm not a typical beauty therapist and, you know, I've never been like that when I've had salons, but it can be a very intimidating industry. Um, and I think that needs to be absolutely demolished because we all seek beauty treatments. We all seek beauty services. So it needs to be made more realistic, you know, and also break the mold, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's um, I think it's I think it's really really cool. You know the way the way that you're doing it and the difference that's that's happening. And actually, to be able to then you know gel into what's happening, a greater mission. If you want to you know um, solve a, a world problem or, or push towards something else, that's like the cherry on top as well, isn't it? Mm. Once you've got a bit of a bit of freedom, a bit of um, success, and you can intertwine through your journey something that really hits home with you. I think that's the perfect way to to yeah. try and run it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So this bit, SJ, I'd love to move on to. I, I hope, I don't know if you've seen this before, maybe I'll send it to you, hopefully. There's a few things, like the first one, I'd love a book recommendation. But you know what, I read um, recently because I needed it, because I was moving house a lot and mm. it was just, everything was a little bit overwhelming. Um, I um, read, um, I wrote it down because I knew I'd get the word wrong. It's a Rob Moore book. Okay. Start now, get perfect later. And it's only a short book, but I think a lot of people put off doing stuff because they don't feel the perfect. But as an entrepreneur, you're never going to be perfect. And when you've got that level of perfect, which was what you thought was perfect, you're then going to seek something more. So it was a re it's only a short book, but it really just, and I'm not a reader. I have to do it on audio. I, I can't get lost in a book like most people. So I have to do audio books. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, start now, get perfect later. I just find if you feel like you're at a stage where you, you're striving for something more, but you keep talking yourself out of it, that's a really good book because it just makes you get it done. And I think a lot of people need that. They just need to think, you know what? I'm never going to be perfect. And, you know, just get it done and improve it as you yeah. go. I really like that. That's a great, it's a great shot. I've not read that one. Um, mm. I, I know lots of people who work in product and product and tech and, you know, they talk about MVP, minimum viable product. And that's just the most, what's the most basic thing you could put out there that costs the least money and time to get a result, you know, test it, test an idea in the market, not in your mind. 
And that book sounds almost exactly like that for other people or the product. I don't know which one yeah. the book's focused on, but it's just it's doing something, people, isn't it? But it can work yeah. for products as well. Yeah, definitely. Just, definitely. just have a go at something and just find out. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. The next little sort of quick fire one I've got for you is around motivation. So, so what motivates you and what are your tips for motivation? Motivation is planning. Like you've got to have a clear plan in place on what you're doing, not just a goal. A goal mm. doesn't happen if you don't plan it out. So you have to have clear focus, detailed planning to keep you motivated. Um, I have like a goal planner spreadsheet that's all broken down on my laptop. I have my weekly tasks on a board. I have my daily to-do list. Um, and also what I think is important as well is making sure you do your biggest tasks first, the biggest, hardest tasks first, because once you do that and accomplish that, you then become in a bit of an upward cycle, okay? Mm. You'll then start feeling very positive, very energized, and then you're just, you know, you'll just keep going. Um, putting off these big tasks, you end up lacking motivation. So as soon as you've hit something big, you then have more motivation and drive to keep going. Love that. That's really good. That reminds mm. me of, um, do you know David Goggins? No. The, he's like an ex-Marine uh, US guy. Um, he left the Marines and then put on some weight and he went through a sort of a self-development process. He's written books and loads of stuff on it now, but he runs every day. He gets up at five or six in the morning and the first thing he does is a minimum of a 12 mile run. And the reason is that he says that I don't like running. He's never liked running. He's obviously become fit, but he does the hardest thing of his day straight yeah. away. As soon as he wakes up and then everything after that is easy. It's easy. Everything's yeah. easy. And isn't that yeah. exactly what you just said there, right? It's just, yeah, exactly. exactly. Get, get your endorphins going. Um, and then crack because on. It just made, you know, when you've accomplished something big, if you accomplish the big thing in the day first, then everything else is easy. 100%. So, you know. Um, the next one I've got for you is, uh, how often do you change or adapt your environment to suit your needs? We spoke earlier about your environment dictating your performance. Do you, yeah. do you often think about this? Do you sort of audit your space and, and make changes based on how you're feeling, how it's impacting you? Um, I, I don't actually, but... What I do do sometimes if um, sometimes I'm working on something and I'm here and it's not working. OK, I just find that I'm not nothing. I'm not producing any good content or whatever I'm working on. What I do is just it, I, I sometimes well, sometimes go for a walk, come back. If that doesn't work, there's sometimes I actually get my laptop, get my case and go to a coffee shop, my headphones on. Right. And I just because I'm associating this space with this task that I'm struggling with. So every time I come back, even if I go to the fridge, get a coffee, come back, I'm going to then have that feeling of being overwhelmed. So mm -hmm. sometimes just grabbing your laptop and just going to a different room or going to a coffee shop or getting out of that space that you're struggling with, I think that helps. And I have done, I don't do that all the time, but there has been times when I'm like, I need to get this task done. This is my main task of the day and I'm getting nowhere. I've even rang my mum before where, you know, and says, mum, I'm just going to come and use your back bedroom. And I've tipped my mum's house and just pitched up it upstairs just to but change, it, you know. Change your environment is so important, isn't it? I think mm. you can have the best setup in the world, but if you get a sort of a mind block, like you're saying, going exactly. to a coffee shop or going for a walk and taking a call or, any change is so interesting. I think, it, you know, if you go back to thinking about when, we, when you were a kid, do you ever used to move your bed or, you know, move the desk or yeah. whatever you did, and you'd feel like a new room. You'd feel like so excited to go back there. And we've been it's talking about this a lot recently in the business because I think that is something we don't really do as much when we're, we're older. 
but it gives you a new spark. And I think that's really important for people to, to help them work and perform and even with their relationships. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And thing is, you know, we, we need stuff like that because especially, you know, in the industry that I'm in, it is quite a lonely industry. You know, we most people that I coach, it's just them. You know, mm. they've not got a team around them. It's just them. They're working on the computer, they're performing treatments. It can get pretty lonely. So just having that, that revamp of where you are, I think is, is really important. Absolutely. I completely agree. The last quick one I've got for you is, um, have you got any quotes that inspire you? Some people don't, some people do. Is there anything that you Yeah, I do actually. And I use this a lot with my children. Um, I don't know where it is from, um, but a quote that I heard a long time, it goes something like this, is... If you don't give something 100%, how do you know how good it could have been? I like it. So, like, and, and I get this, like, my, one of my daughters is, is really shy. So, like, when she's about to go on stage to do a dancing, I'm like, Reagan, if you don't do, a, if you don't give it 100%, how do you know how good it could have been? If you go on half-heartedly, you'll come off and then you'll start thinking, oh, I should have smiled more, I should have done this, I should have been more confident, I should have done... but." If you come off and you've done one hundred percent, and it still didn't go the way you planned, then you're like, "Well, I did it. I, I give hundred percent." Yeah. So I kind of use that with everything. I think everything you go into one hundred percent because you'll never know how good it could have been. And it stops people coasting through life because they give ninety percent, do really well, and you, and you never know how good it could have been. Exactly like you said. Exactly. Exactly. So it works on both sides, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. Ashley, what have you got coming up in 2023? What are your, what are your big things going um, on? Well, my coaching is getting some real good momentum, uh, really good momentum now. So obviously that is what I'm continuing to push. But I am, um, I'm connected with a few colleges. I'm trying to get people earlier on in the journey. So I've actually got a, um, a gig. Can I call it a gig? Um, nice. I've got a gig in a <laughs> beauty college uh next month actually to do a bit of a talk about starting a business and starting it the right way um so i kind of want to I, 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 it's a chain of colleges actually so i'm hoping that i'm going to get you know all the colleges in my area um so yeah i find that i want to i want to get on stage more you know i did this thing last week and i was absolutely buzzing you know i do want right. to talk at more conferences get my message out there more get people to realize that they are worth more than just touching the client for money. Uh, but I think if I can get into the college, the colleges, you know, um, and get them as they're just coming into, because they, they come out of there and think, oh, I've got to get a salon. Let me go and get, you know, let me go and ask daddy for 20 grand to yeah. open a salon and let me, and I'm just like, you know, there's other ways, there's other ways, you know, and I just want to kind of get them fresh. So that's, my, that's my aim. Yeah, it's amazing. You need to do a TED talk, like a TEDx conference. Yes. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. I've asked everyone so far, actually, if you had a full free day, how would you spend it? Oh, God, a full free day? Oh, I don't know. A full free day? <laughs> you know, I'd probably, I'd probably jam pack it with, like, crazy stuff, like I'd go quadding and then I'd do some rock climbing and, and then <laughs> I'd finish off by... You said you were courageous. <laughs> You what? You said you weren't courageous. <laughs> oh yeah, I did actually. No, I'd, I'd, I'd yeah, I'd do, I'd do, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd cram it with loads of activities, army assault course, um, and then probably collapse and with my dodgy <laughs> hip by lunchtime, and, and just sit in a wine bar and have some nice food. <laughs> there you go, perfect. Do you have um, anything that the audience uh, can ponder over? Some a thought or a question for them, you know, and are they being asked from the audience? Um. 
just I think the main thing is <laughs> don't be realistic. <laughs> just don't be realistic. So, like, whatever you think is possible, just go for it. Like you know, that. I think so many, so many people. Um, that's probably the worst advice I've been given. Be realistic. You mm -hmm. know, you just do eyebrows for a living. Be realistic. You know, no, no. You know, right. so I just think whatever, whatever ideas you've got, if something keeps popping into your head, there's a reason why it's popping into your head. So just embrace it. Go for it. Feel the fear and do it anyway, and get it done and get perfect later. Just go for it. There you go. Great advice. Um, Esther, how can people find you? Have you got uh, what are your social links and your, your Yeah, website? you can find me. Social media is at 1SJ on most of my social media, but I've got my podcast as well. So if anybody is listening to this, that they're in a similar industry, you know, obviously it's more beauty, but I deal with tattooists as well. Anything that's time for money exchange services, uh, then the Beauty Business Coach is my podcast. Um, and you can, if you just Google SJ, I've got quite a strange name. So E-S-S-J-A-Y, you can Google me and I'm all over the internet. So you can find me on anything. Perfect. And for everyone else, obviously we've got the Studio New website and my own freddypullen.com to find out more. SJ, it's been perfect to have you on. Really, really good to talk to you. Thank you so much and all the best for 2023. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been fab. Loved it. Perfect. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.